Welcome everyone to a special episode of Sass and the Beard, and this is something that I hope that we get to do regularly, where we have an invited guest on to talk about something important and special that is involved with our community. So it's not just politics, but we have a lot of talented and wonderful people from and around our community, and tonight we get to talk to one of those people, Mr. Eli Craner. Mm. Thanks for coming on Sass and the Beard. Yeah, thanks for It's Beard and the Beard. Yeah, today. we are the Beard and the Beard. There's no sass this week. <laughs> uh, Eli is a author from our local area. He's more than that. He's a teacher. He was a, a football coach. I mean, I, uh, I'm someone that I admire and someone that I'm glad that we get to have on the show. Um, and like, I just kind of want to get into... Uh, the things that you have done with uh, your ability to write wonderful stories. Uh, because one of the things that we want to do on our show is tell a story about the things that are going on. Right. We use facts to tell that story. Uh, yours is a little more in the fiction area, uh, but still there are some truths in these stories. I know I uh, am in the middle of reading your first book, and so one of the questions I want to ask you is, like, where did you get your inspiration to write? Definitely. Yeah, well, just to write in general, um, I was always a reader. And then I was this strange combination in college where I was a English, studied English lit and was also the quarterback, you mm -hmm. know, of, like, yeah. the university. So it was a weird combo. And I took a class my senior year, so it was my my fifth year in college, red shirt senior year, and I took advanced creative writing fiction with this cat named Johnny Wink. And Johnny Wink was about 65 at the time, had like Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> he only wore like homemade screen printed shirts okay. that said like, like couplets from Shakespearean sonnets <laughs> or strange like beware the warlock, yeah, you know, yeah. like... He only wore like sweatpants or pajama pants and house shoes. And okay. this is at Washita Baptist yeah. University. Yeah. But he kind of been there so long, mm -hmm. you know. What are they going to do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this dude just had a love of he was more, he he was actually a poet, a published poet. But you know, at Washita there's not a ton of English facility or faculty. So he taught this creative writing class. He just had such kind of like his word that he uses to describe himself is perfect it's zany mm -hmm. you know it's just kind of this yeah. a different look at things and so he put us on stuff that i hadn't really read before and then he had us writing and the first thing he ever did was he made us write exactly 99 word stories okay so this was in this was a practice in you know like being using brevity being concise saying exact like editing and mm -hmm. getting it and man, that was so that was the fall of my last football season. And I was really just there kind of to play football that last year because it was a red shirt yeah. senior year. Um, and I got so hooked up. I would write him all these short stories. And like, I'd, I'd write about one a week. And we'd go off to play the games, you know, like on Saturday. And if it was an away game, I'd slide a story under his office door, you know, so that over the weekend yeah. he could be. Yeah, and that and was, it, yeah. it was that exchange. It was, you know, like seeing, is it good enough, you know, when I get back. And, and so that was, that was a lot of fun. And, and that's really where the writing bug took off for me. Now, football took over even after that. I, I had planned to go get a, what's called an MFA, like a Master's of Fine Arts, and had like applications in at Arkansas and Ole Miss. 
And then Sweden came calling to go do the football thing. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of put me on a about a six-year-long yeah. football yeah. uh, yeah. sideline, but <laughs> ended up, you know, providing probably more education in life, mm -hmm. way more education in life than what I'd have got yeah. studying writing. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting experience that you were able to play uh, the sport that I know, like I love, and that a lot of people can uh, really connect with professionally. Yeah, you know, overseas, and I would imagine that that you could tell many stories about that <laughs> experience in and of itself. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. It well, and it professionally needs like air quotes because well, I mean, it was. I listen. Did, I, I was did. a professional musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but we, we made we enough got money. Paid yeah, yeah, we made to, enough to live money to and, eat pizza. To, yeah. yeah, and make it back home. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, it was. It was such a trip, and it was um, absolutely like just getting out. I'd, I'd been to South Florida for one year for college, so I'd gotten out of Arkansas for just a little bit and then uh, was gone for that year in Sweden, and I wouldn't trade it for mm -hmm. anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I feel the same way. I say that about my time like on the road. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was it was a great experience. Mm -hmm. Like I, I didn't make any – money or fame or yep. anything from that w except the experience that I had with that group of guys and you you know you really like this I've, is your career. I firmly believe like it, like I can almost tell when I talk to someone uh, whether they've ever had been out of mm -hmm. their hometown yeah. or their home state I, I really firmly believe that. I rarely yeah. meet people who have been out of the country out of the state lived away um who have like closed-minded views on things, yeah. you know, and it's, and, and so I always like wish that for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Like know? just go, uh, like my wife, it's similar. She says that everybody should work in food service, yeah. you know, like there's some things that you should experience. Oh, in life, that's great. Yeah. You know, that because if you, if you've worked in food service, it's a lot harder for you to be, yeah. you know, rude to those people yeah. once you understand what it is they have to deal with. That's right. Same to like, if you, if you travel some and when you are able to, uh, and get put in those situations where you have to like really challenge your worldviews yeah. and the things that you learned growing up in a safe environment, um, then you can expand your openness like you were talking about. Love but, that. But here's the catch-22 is that most of the people who don't, go traveling or out they don't want to for yeah, a reason yeah, you know yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they don't want to yeah, go see it. Yeah. At home you so know? That, that uh. it's kind of a <laughs> snake eating the snake's tail sort of deal there. for sure yeah. for sure well you know like this your first story i don't know that's first book don't yeah. know tough uh i really connected with it because uh i grew up in a like a poor rural community uh and uh just had you know whether white or black or brown, like from racial divide to uh, economic divide to, you know, intelligence to every every aspect of the, you seem to just like cover that so well. Uh, and, and then you got the faith and religion involved in that too. And, and all encompassing around a sports team, you know, in this case, football. And like, I know you were a, a coach as well in football Um you know, did you get your ideas for that book from, like, that experience as a coach? Did you have some kind of idea before you wrote, like, kind of where you wanted it to yeah, go? Yeah, great question. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like, probably the number one question that, you know, that I do get yeah. is people know that I was a quarterback and a coach. And so for Don't Know Tough, 
you know, they always want to say, like, how much of this is real? Yeah, yeah. And the pitch that we use for Don't Know Tough, so the pitch is like how they sell it or pitch mm-hmm. it to reviewers sure. or, you know, it was like Friday Night Lights meets Ozark. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, so that was... It's very, yeah, very apropos. That was the pitch, yeah. <laughs> um, and man, you know, the thing I always make a, a big point of is you cannot, you cannot discredit an author's imagination. Mm-hmm. So... I say that this was the, when I got out of coaching, I, I, I really got focused in writing. It was like, I had all this energy, Mm -hmm. you know, what sort of energy goes into coaching and, Mm -hmm. and I had this void. And so I was writing like, like I was still coaching, you know, Mm -hmm. like I was taking, and it wasn't nearly as much time in retrospect, but I did like get up early, work hard, would get short stories published that. Emily would then film film me um, reading out loud that that might still exist somewhere out there. Maybe I had them all destroyed. Um, yes, yeah, she's gone. Um, but what I say that to say is that I was working really hard, um, and I had written three books and probably hundreds of short stories before I ever turned back to football. Yeah. And there's this great writing saying, like a writer's aphorism that says, write what you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what I found was that there's this beautiful subculture around football, Mm -hmm. especially in the South. It has its own ties of loyalty. It has its own greed. It has its own angles that for a crime novelist or a mystery novelist, murder novelist, you know, you can then get in there and use what you know. So use the the, the characters that you can see and the, the thing, the alliances that mm-hmm. you can remember, um, the rivalry, you yeah. know, the whatever it may be, and then twist them and turn them and extrapolate them so that you get, you know, yeah. this this story. And and so yeah, so I mean that's that's any book. You have to find that thing you do know, mm-hmm. and if you don't know it. You know, by all means, I, I think you can go. The better thing I think about that saying of write what you know is write what you want to know. Yeah. So I think that's even better because if we all just had to write what we know, yeah, then every story I ever wrote would be about, you know, like Arkansas. Just And I don't think I can just do that over right. and over. So yeah. write what you want to know if you're really interested in something. But no, far as I know. There was never any murders that went on while I was a football coach, you know. Like, so uh, I mean, Spo- that's, that's spoiler yeah, alert. That, that's yeah. always my um, that's always my joke, you know. Because yeah, people want to know, and I did. I even had players, you know, like call, like oh, yeah, coach, like, you know, like coach, coach. coach is that no, like no, they're excited, you yeah. know, like is it, was that me, you know, like is that me? I can see and that. I'm like, like is that me? It's like four of you wrapped yeah. in one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. based on a true story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I could see that. I could see having people from past, yeah. you know, kids coming calling up. I am. I am hugely into fantasy, like yeah. uh, books. I, one of my favorite authors is Brandon Sanderson, mm-hmm. and he just has this amazing ability uh, to be. Very descriptive, but not boring. Yeah, you know, and and I've recognized that in your first yeah. book. I mean, it's just there are moments where you've painted this picture, and I can see it fully. You know, and I I really love reading. It wouldn't matter what it was that I was reading if I could read something that had that ability to be 
visually like creative yeah just from words and that's yeah. one of the reasons why i like audiobooks so well too because it's you're you're taking that information in and you read your yeah. audiobook and you 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 man you lay into the voices <laughs> and you like I, your creativity is is outpouring in that yeah. so uh i don't know if you had to take a class to learn how to do that or if they gave you tips when you were like, well it was i fought like hell for it because mm-hmm. Half of this book is narrated, you know, by this high school mm-hmm. player, and it's he's he's described. His name's Billy Lowe. Mm-hmm. He's described as a sawed-off white boy with tree trunk thighs, but he has a very particular vernacular. Yes, he's and and it was the voice. So, as a, as a coach, I heard this voice, and then I've taught in the ALE. Mm-hmm. You know, here. so poor white kids, but have this kind of hip hop inspired mm-hmm. vernacular. It was just something I'd never really seen, you know. Yeah. Like I don't see a lot of that yeah. in um, in fiction or in. And so I, I tried writing this story. Like that was the whole idea. Like when the first thing came, it was his voice. And so what I was scared of for the audio book was that they were going to get some narrator from like Texas. <laughs> And there was going to be, you know, this Texas guy <laughs> doing like yeah. this Texas uh-huh. cowboy accent for this character that really needed this specific mm-hmm. dialect. So one of the things that uh, we hear kind of authors talk about all the time, or maybe not authors talking about, but uh, critics or, or people who talk about writing is, you know, the the slump. Like yeah. the you get in this... Uh, place where you've written or you've got ideas and you put them all down and then you're just like brain freeze Mm -hmm. you know what do you do to get out of that space yeah writer's block yeah i've never so when i first started writing like even back in the johnny wink days Mm -hmm. i was very i think it was the athletic background you know and and i had read i had watched this documentary with johnny wink he came over to my apartment that senior year and we watched there's this mississippi writer by the name of larry brown and Larry Brown um, was a firefighter, and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't have like uh, collegiate education, um, so he was completely self-taught. Um, and he, in this documentary, laid out his like attack at writing as like learning to lay bricks, like the same mm-hmm. way of learning to write a sentence. You know, is that it is strictly practice mm-hmm. um, that you get better. Those those rows get straighter. Those sentences get yeah. tighter. So it was a really good way for me to first start looking at it because instead of like, oh, you know, it's kind of like people think about singing. Like you can either sing or you can't. Yeah. Where in reality, there's a lot of polish. It's exactly that, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that goes into the, So instead of me thinking like, oh, I can either write or I can't. Like this will either be pretty or it won't. I just went at it with like a complete workman-like mentality. So the same carried over when I got out of football yeah. and started – I would just wake up and make myself write 2,000 words. Okay. Like, even if it wasn't any good, yeah. you know, even Ray Bradbury was one of my favorite authors growing up, still is, and he had this great quote that you're not a writer, a real writer, until you've written a million words. Yeah. So I, as the old coach in me, yeah. Yeah. I got the old, you know, like, I think I kept it on, like, a little moleskin journal mm-hmm. and would write how many words, and it yeah. was about two years um, before I hit that million words yeah um so I, I say that all to say that although the words are not always 
good. Like sometimes the ideas do run out and I don't do it so much now that I am kind of know the sort of stuff I want to write, but I do still write. And like I write a weekly column for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette now, and I write a monthly column for this website called Shop Talk uh, for Crime Reads. Um, And then I write, you know, these books, but I, so I'm never really letting myself slow down yeah, enough yeah. to kind of feel the the block. Yeah, you're not writing like we see some like I'm a like I said fantasy fan, and there's this author Patrick Rothfuss. Yeah, you know, and he's been working on the same book for like four or five yeah. years, and you're like, come on, don't you need a paycheck at yeah, some point? Like, yeah, can you yeah, not finish yeah. this? And uh, and so like I could see you know with your experience in in athletics and sports. And the ability to work yourself through, mm. you know, a slump, right? You know, because you have those, you can have those in in in, a, in any sport. And what you said about music is completely like it is exactly that. There, if you can hear it, you can sing it. Yeah. And and I've I've taught people how to sing. Uh, you know, I've done coaching for you know singers, and and that's it. Like if you can hear it, you can sing it. And for me, uh, if I was writing music. Uh, or going to be writing like a melody or with words, mm-hmm. you know. I I didn't I didn't write anything until I had listened mm-hmm. to that, you know, over a hundred times. Like right. that was my threshold. Like I have to listen to this because if you if you're trying to create without knowing the foundation of this thing, you're you're never going to be as good as if you know it. That's true. And, you got to know yeah. the rules mm-hmm. before you can break them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why, like, you know, we can understand it with music because you hear these artists do these tremendous things on a final recorded right. piece, and you're like, man, that's so great. How did they do that? Well, it's because they've been, they've been singing that song for at least yeah. a year, you yeah. know, because they wrote it, and then they had to practice it, and then they performed with it, and then, you know, so, of course, by the time they record it, it's going to be phenomenal. That's right. You know? That's so, the same, same with the book, mm-hmm. you know, the first draft, like people read this and they think, oh, but they don't realize that like it was finished in 2018. Mm-hmm. It was revised by me probably a hundred times, thousands of words. This one had about 30,000 words get mm-hmm. cut out of like the original hundred thousand word manuscript, copy edits, regular edits, revision edits, beta readers, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts yeah. of stuff. So it's like, this is a magic trick. Yeah. You know, like yeah. this is a magic trick. Like, the end result. Yeah, is, yeah I'm not yeah. sitting at the yeah. computer printing this page out and handing it to anybody. Like, this is a magic trick. And that, that's the same. I, I think of the voice. Mm-hmm. So when you see those people sing that song, like, the first time, like, I always think, like, are they setting this up? Like, are they really, do they sound that bad, like, at the beginning? Because then when they finally, you know, I'm sure there's some effects with their yeah. voice and yeah. stuff. But there's also a week's worth of practice or yeah. whatever they've had. Yeah, we're all, we are, uh, we are produced yeah. to death in, yeah. in our culture. And but it's also digital. practice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's also yeah. practice. Mm-hmm. It's this yeah. idea that, like, this was what they sounded like mm-hmm. singing the song for the fifth time. Yeah. But by the hundredth time, you know, at the end yeah. of the week. They're amazing. Yeah. Because they put the effort in. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I, I, if we all attacked life in that same yeah. way, you know, if you see yourself caught up in a slump, you know, get up, do... The, the the basic foundational things yeah. you need to do and you'll work your way out of it. I I'm very excited to read the second book. Yeah. Um, I I want to know if you can kind of give us a synopsis 
uh, of that? And then what are you most excited about for people to connect with with the second book? Definitely. So those of you who've read Don't Know Tough, one of the biggest things that I've gotten is that everybody has questions about the end. So it's noir is, is the word that, so it was reviewed in the New York Times. We got really great, became a New York Times best book of the year, USA Today best book awesome. of the year. And one of the words that they used that I wasn't even familiar with at this point in time was noir, mm-hmm. like this French term. Mm-hmm. Southern noir at its <laughs> finest. And, I, and so I remember I got invited to a film festival, a noir film festival, yeah. shortly after this all happened a couple of months later. And I was supposed to be introducing the movie Reservoir Dogs and talking about noir. And so I just stood up there and I was like, I'm just going to be straight up with y'all. I had never heard the word noir. If I had heard it, like I wasn't really thinking about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. And I was like, until my book came out and this <laughs> review came out in the Times and my dad calls me. He's like, son, what's Southern noir? <laughs> And I'm like, and I'm like, and I look at it, and I say, Dad, I don't know. I, I was like, so I tell these people at the film festival this, and, you know, they're laughing like that. But I said, what I really think it is is it's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a tragedy, and and so the the ending of Don't Know Tough has really got that. It's got a little bit, and it's pretty open ended in some ways. Um, not to spoil it for you, no. but. Mm-hmm. But this book is not a sequel, but it is a parallel mm-hmm. in some ways. There's, yeah. there's, it's happening in, in a nearby town. There is a single scene at a, a homecoming of a football game, So you and they happen to be playing the Denton Pirates. Okay. So there if you've you read, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's some, what do I would call, Easter eggs yeah. that pull back. And really, this book is more of just, so this was a mystery. You have a dead body, and, you, and this is a thriller which there's an old man, a Vietnam War veteran, um, whose daughter is taken. So you've got kind of that Liam Neeson, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, also, um, I guess maybe like that Clint Eastwood. What was yeah, he? Yeah, you know, yeah. like, so anyway, Hatfield and McCoy-style McCoy blood feud um, with a little bit of like Romeo and Juliet, star-crossed lovers, all kind of in the the vein of, you know, in the in the the foothills of the Ozarks yeah. and some stuff geographically that'll, that'll really, if you're from around here, you mm. know, will perk your ears. I love that. I love yeah. that. Have you, I imagine with also like the popularity of, uh, the show on Netflix, yeah. Ozark, like I, I, I've seen the, the first season of that show and every time I watch it, I'm like, did they actually film that? Either? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it looks, some of yeah. it looks familiar. Yeah. You know? that. <laughs> But I love the setting in that there uh, we can connect with your work here just from, you know, we've been there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's been like, so I use real names mm-hmm. in, in some ways. Like the yeah. towns uh, are, are fictionalized, Denton uh, and Taggart. Um, and I do that because I, I don't, I want it to be, like I want to be sure everybody like this is a novel. Like, yeah. I made yeah. this stuff up. But at the same time, then I'll use a, a maybe a place like Gumlog, yeah. you know, or I'll use a name that I've always really loved, you know, like Eden Falls Cave, or or these different things. Shaquilla. Shaquilla. <laughs> that, that's one. That's one that's in the in the in the note. You know, it's not in either one of these. But I keep a little black book. Mm-hmm, yeah. But I, I do that to kind of make a nod to Arkansans and people, you know, that might be reading that are like, oh, look, you know. Yeah. But I'll switch the geography up and and kind of kind of play it around but also you know arkansas is a big deal to me 
um, that Bryce Mitchell MMA fighter. You know, mm-hmm. every time you put a mic in my face, I'm gonna scream Arkansas. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that guy's crazy. But yeah. that I love that quote. I love what he was kind of saying there. That's as I've gone out, you know, with these books, I've tried to keep that front and center. You know, that, yeah. that this is Arkansas, and it might not be. I get that a lot from yeah. local readers or friends or family. Like, whew, man, you really hate Arkansas. You know, like, <laughs> that's what they say. And I'm like, no, I don't, no, I I don't it. hate it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. But, you know, if I'm portraying anything, I want it to be honest and true. Yeah. And that's what I try to do with these books is good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, I the after reading a lot of the first, I'm not done with it yet, uh, but, it like, I've, I was there, like I'm not there, there, yeah. but it in it brought back so many things from from my high school yeah. days. You know, I went to a small school in a very poor area, yeah. and and similar, you know, re- situations. And yeah, like just feeling it being put back in. Well, in and, those. and for a crime novelist, like I have to explain this to my parents all the time. You know, it's like anything that raised my hackles, you know, or made me raise an eyebrow or look at a little askew. For a crime novelist, that's what I have to focus on mm-hmm. because, like, we were talking before we got going here about black and white and gray areas mm-hmm. in a novel idea. You know where you find a whole idea. It is the gray. Yeah. It what you're looking for is the stuff that's hard to define the right or the wrong. Yeah. Where where are these these boundaries going to start splitting? Where's the tension? Where's mm-hmm. the so you'll see something. You know you'll get inspired by something. Like I said, you know with this one, and then you make up all the rest. Yeah. You know then yeah. you go Hollywood. You yeah. know on 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 making up the rest of it. But you have to find that kind of gray area. Well, first. I hope someday you get to sell rights to these friends hey. and make lots of money. No uh, doubt. And spend it all in Russellville, Arkansas. <laughs> no doubt. Um, <laughs> We're not going anywhere. Hold, hold me to it. I, I think we are also proud. You know, Arkansans, one thing you can say about them is that, like, it's kind of like in a family, you may be angry at each other, hate each other, be frustrated with each other, but when somebody from the outside comes yeah you, you, everybody bands together and and i feel that about arkansas yeah you know? i do too and uh i love being from here i i moved you know here because i wanted to make my life here yeah i wanted to stay here and so i'm thankful that others like like yeah. you have done the same i get it man like we were in tucson this past weekend for a book deal and we've been my, my wife goes with me a lot and and it is funny because even the things that grind our gears, like you just said mm-hmm. about Arkansas, we'll get out here, you know, with these people from wherever, West Coast, you know, and they'll start talking, you know, noise about Arkansas or like make a joke, like y'all wear shoes in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell me how many times mm-hmm. I've heard that mm-hmm. one. And like in that minute, you know, it is, it's just like a family. Like, you know, I immediately am like, no, nah, man, like, let me tell you about Arkansas. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I like to say, uh, no, but we didn't pay $400,000 for our crappy house. Yeah, you know, so. yeah, that's right. That is right. Uh, you come move to Arkansas, you can live a lot cheaper than you can in any yeah. either coast. And, yeah. And, you know, live like a king. I know people who've sold homes in California and came and never worked another day in Arkansas. No doubt. So, uh, so kind of transitioning to, like, the end of this uh, interview, which I'm extremely appreciative that you yeah, came. Yeah, man. Uh, you're a teacher. Yep. And uh, recently, because this is a show about politics and local and statewide is really where we cover, um, 
our governor, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and our senator, Brian Davis, uh, you know, have kind of shocked the nation with an education bill, the Learns Bill, now it's the law, uh, in our state. And it, uh, I know a lot of teachers and administrators and uh, uh, support staff uh, that work in school system are very frustrated by kind of the details of the bill and i want to get your thoughts on it uh nothing that we're gonna like you know call the superintendent about or anything like that but but just from your perspective as a teacher how do you feel this new law uh is going to help our education system in arkansas yeah as a teacher and a father Mm. who has you know Mm. a child in definitely public school. Both my parents were public school Mm. teachers, um, taught originally in the Delta for about 20 years before we moved here. And man, like the thing that gets me the most about that stuff and just the whole, the whole way it's been done so far is lack of transparency. Yeah. So as a guy who's been in leadership positions, who's had to, you know, I was a head football coach when I was 26 years old for two years. Um, I know how important, like if you want people, like as we would say in the football world, to buy in. Mm -hmm. If you want people to follow you, then you got to be straight up. Like you got to tell them, like, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. And just politicians in general these days man it's just that's gone i mean it's all smoke and mirrors Mm -hmm. and it's all look this way while we pull out you know the rabbit from the hat over here and that's what this stuff feels like to me and there's a lot of the stuff you know about it that is just so unclear and uncertain at this point that it's scary as hell because i mean you know, how how are we doing this? You know, not only why are we, we're past the why now because it's done. Now yeah. we're to how. Yeah. How are we going to get any of this done? Yeah. And so, you know, looking at it, it's scary. Yeah. But but I hold out faith, you know, that, that maybe, you know, Arkansas has been in the bottom of their education for a long time. And so, <laughs> you know, if there is a how and that it's somehow going to work, um, you know, maybe maybe it is. It's just right now. I don't. I don't know. I don't think anybody really yeah. knows. You know. Yeah, my wife is a teacher, and we have a lot of friends that are as well. And and it just seems like, and I'm not speaking for them, but from my perspective, looking at them, that there is just this just on edgeness yeah. about everybody that's involved in education right now because there's and I will say man nobody like nobody knows that happens every time like every time you get a new suit every time mm-hmm. you get a new principal yeah. every time you get a new football coach yeah. and you're the you know everybody gets like that kind of on edge chills yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it depends on how that boss comes in and handles business yeah. if they come in and lay out a plan and say this is how we're doing it this is why we're doing it or even better yeah. if they wait a little bit and say hey what do you guys think think you know how are you doing it let me get some people that are involved in this area this state and say what do you think we should be doing not bring people in from all across the world and the country and wherever else dc and then just 
one month later ramrod something through. Again, That's a novel idea. Again, yeah, that would have yeah. been great. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, again, is maybe there's faith. You know, maybe that maybe it maybe they know something better than we know here in Arkansas. Yes, maybe maybe know. they do. Maybe uh, you know, three or four years from now, all the teachers will be making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. And everybody will be scoring in the 90th percentile yeah. on all the tests. I mean, I, as, so. as a dude who lives here and just, like, I hope. Absolutely. I feel like our people deserve that. You yeah. Know, as much as they've gone through yeah. to be involved in education. You yeah. Know? And, and so I, I yeah. think, like, it, what I'm saying is that I am not educated enough to really speak on the ins and outs of that, like, piece of legislator. Like, you know... I, I don't know, like yeah. at this point. What I do know is leadership. Mm-hmm. And that's what's that's what's bo- like that's bothered me for, for years now with everything. Yeah. But as what I've watched happen in my home state with this, you know, that's what has bothered me the yeah. most is is not seeing that sort of thing. Like come in, give it a minute. You know, that I remember I had a so you asked me what's real in this book. There's a character named Bull. Uh, Bull, who's the assistant coach, this mm-hmm. little wiry old guy. Yeah. And there was literally on the first coaching staff that I ever coached on, this guy, <laughs> guy that, named Bull. that we called Old Bull. His yeah. real name's Eric Hart. And I don't care because, you know, Bull's kind of like the hero of this book. Like yeah. he's the sage, you know, mm-hmm. like this, who's whispering advice to this young football coach who's yeah. telling him. And Bull did a lot of the same for me, and Eric Hart did a lot of the same for me. So I've, I've said this in other interviews because he was so good. But what he told me when I got that first head coaching job was he was like, Eli, do not do anything. Don't change anything. Don't even say much for, like, the first couple of months. Yeah. Just walk around with a clipboard, take notes, Figure out what is working. Ask a lot of questions. Seek advice, and then once you've really figured it out, once this, you this then okay, here's mm-hmm. what we're going to do, and here's why we're going to do it. Yeah. But and that, again, I know I said this, but so that's that was really what just crawled on me was that we came in and just boom. Yeah. You know, blew, yeah. Blew here we're going to do this thing with no explanation mm-hmm. and really no chance to hear other voices or hear any opinions yeah. like an actual defense and we're just supposed to believe that they did that because <clears throat> somebody said that they did it yeah and i i agree with you that's one of the reasons why i got into politics is because there's just the for so long we've just kind of had to sit back and take yeah you know this is what we're giving you yeah and and until we get mad and we start storming uh, buildings or we march for this thing or we you know there's no relief until we decide to do it ourselves and so my thought process behind anything i go into you know politically whether it's a committee meeting or a council meeting or some you know even just like a regular uh event where they're you know you're there to network you know is literally what is this going to do for the people that I represent and how can I explain it to them? Right. You know, cause I want to be able to say I made a decision based on these premises yeah. and here's my evidence for right. that. Um, and I, I don't think we get that a lot. I think we get a lot of, uh, those are the bad people over there. 
while we're doing the bad things over here. Yeah. And uh, from either side, like politically, I don't, yeah. I don't think there's any difference in left or right in the way that those things are presented. Yeah. I, I agree with one over the other in, in theory and in ideology, but I am like, I feel like, especially nationally, there is a, just like they're the same, you right. know? And, but I kind of felt insulated being in the state of Arkansas because there are political games being played, but they work with each other. Yeah. And this was very much like one of the first, like, no, we're going to bring that game that's from D.C., from national politics, and we're going to infuse it into our state. And my fear is that they're going to try to do the same locally. Yeah. And and that's a scary thing because our town right now specifically has a lot of hope because we've elected new council members. We've we've started the year off strong with some good legislation and some things that will help. Our mayor is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, like, we, we could really do some good. Uh, but if we, you know, pull in these you know, teams. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm not looking forward to that if that's going to be the case. I'll say this, man. I, um, for people on whatever side, um, I have heard as I've gone around being in education that this, this learns act has really chafed people on all, like if yeah. you're a teacher and you yeah. got the run of it, like doesn't matter political party. No, you're man. Yeah. So, what I would say to people who have experienced this or seen this is what I think this is a product of is Arkansas being a state that is out of balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as an American, we survive in a democracy, a two-party democracy, because there's a balance. There's a push mm-hmm. by both sides that leads us right down this middle path that we followed for a long time. Yeah. So in Arkansas, the reason this just ran like it did so quickly and got through before questions could be asked, checks and balances, is because there was no balance. Yeah, there's a supermajority. So no matter what your political party is, if you start to see this and you're like, oh, man, things are feeling a little out of balance for the good of the greater, like the, the greater good, you should think, okay, let's come back to a balance. Yeah. So... We've had a lot of conversation, and I'm very excited that you came to speak with us. Uh, but I know, like you're promoting this book, it's it's gonna gonna be a great. It is a great book. I haven't read it, but I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, well, it hadn't come out, so they, I know they, that's they, what I'm saying. They, yes, yeah, you, so that's yeah. what I want to talk about. It it is coming out next month. Yep. And uh, I want you to kind of talk about you know what your plans are for the rolling out of this. Yeah, book. man. So starting, it comes out April 4th, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Tuesday, and it's 6 p.m. Awesome. on April 4th. Um, we're going to be at Arkansas Tech at the Ross Pendergraft Library. Um, and man, we had the best thing of the whole thing for this book, the first one, was being here, being at the train depot was where we were last year, mm-hmm. and just so many people. And there was tornado sirens. There was a line out the door. Train driving so, by. Yeah, yeah we, we've got the big room up there at Tech, and, awesome. and I'm hoping to kind of build all that around it together. So please come out. If you pre-ordered books from Dog Ear, they'll have those there. If you didn't, if you haven't got a book yet or anything like that, um, they'll have books to, to buy right there at, at the um, event. 
And so, yeah, and, and I have, I can't tell you, this will help me. I have people always like will buy the book and they're like, hey, can you sign it? You're like, mm-hmm. they send me a Facebook yeah, message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want a book signed, you like you'll make my life a yeah, lot easier go to, the thing. Yeah. to come. But no, man. No, I, I'm just going to meet you at your office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll see <laughs> you in the middle of the day. House, you know? yeah. <laughs> no, which is fine. I'll do that too. But I do love seeing, you yeah. know, everybody. And after that, we're going to Memphis, Jackson, Oxford, the Virginia Military Institute, hey, yeah, Baltimore, New York City, St. Petersburg, Florida, and Miami. All right. Man. So, it, and then there's Arkansas bit too. There's a Little Rock and a and Northwest Arkansas Sweet. in there. So come catch me if you don't do it on Russellville. That's great, man. I'm I'm just I'm super proud to say that you're from our area and to know you and to like the type of person that you are and, and that you've been. Uh, I'm really excited for Ozark Dogs, and I can't wait to read it, and I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks. That's Eli Craner. Buy his books.